in a world where two best friends can call each other on FaceTime. I don't know. <laughs> that was just me spitballing I love something. That. No, that's perfect. That's literally it. You got it. Hey, guys. Welcome to our super amazing new podcast. This is the inaugural episode. Da-da-da! And so we're going to tell you a little bit about ourselves, the wonderful sci-fi utopia we are creating here for your listening pleasure. And also, then we're going to talk about our favorite bad bitch, uh, Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. Yep. 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 We sure are. All right. So this is Space Bras. Uh, what's this show about? Uh, Kate, my dear friend, who I just introduced, oh. sort of. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of about, you know, like sci-fi and women-centric stuff, but of course that's been expanded into um, wider representation and just breaking down some of the cool, weird uh, ways that we talk about technology as a way to, you know, dissect society. Also, you know, muscular uh, space pirates and uh, hot princess uh, Leia's, you know, what yes. else? What's not great about that? We're not, this is a promise to you right now, we are not going to talk about any unattractive people ever on this podcast. <laughs> Of course, the definition of attraction is, like, very, you know, subjective. I mean, so, yeah. Uh... Oh, God. Get that patriarch <laughs> bullshit out of here. No way. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm Mary Johnston, and I wanted to do a podcast about feminism and science fiction because I kind of grew up with it. I, uh, my first loves were Star Wars and Blade Runner and then the series Dune. And I think the reason I love science fiction so much is that it gives you this little contained space to tell a story and you get to kind of build it from the ground up. I love things like dioramas and thorn miniature rooms and poly pockets and nooks and crannies and like these little spaces that you can just like fill to the absolute max with like a perfect little ecosystem the more thoughtfully detailed the better and science fiction does that in literature in a way that scratches that particular itch for me um and i think it's like an amazing platform to look at the way women are portrayed and move through these worlds and they kind of follow our rules, but they also follow the rules that have set up in this little contained space and allow us to evaluate our own path in this world. Yeah, I my parents also were mega nerds. My dad wore pocket protectors in school <laughs> and uh, only didn't get beat up because he tutored the toughest guy in high school. So yeah, my dad got us started on Star Wars. He watched a, a lot of Star Trek Next Generation. You know, the standard sci-fi stuff. And I've always loved that it's world building, but you create new rules and you're able to tell stories about humanity that um, you can't tell easily in other conditions. And that's, it's like what you're talking about. It's world building. It's spaces. It's dope. Great. Uh, you might be wondering why are you guys calling your show Space Bras? On the first day of filming Star Wars A New Hope, George Lucas came up to Carrie Fisher, who's, you know, getting in, in makeup, getting her uh, severe pink cheek applied. And he looks at her iconic white dress hung up on the door and says, you can't wear a bra under that dress. And she asks him why. And he says, because there's no underwear in space. You go to space and you become weightless, which is fine. 
but then your body expands, but your bra doesn't. So you get strangled by your own bra. So after that, our dear, lovely lady, Carrie Fisher, uh, told her friends that no matter what, she wanted reported at her death that she had drowned in moonlight, strangled by her own bra. So this title, Space Bras, is a humble tribute to all the sci-fi women and badasses and all of the above who have come before us, who, like Carrie Fisher, used wits, nerves to twist and even to twist up all the problematic shit and be the original uh, kind of glass breakers. Can you call them that? I mean, I know it's fiction, but uh, they represented the kind of women that we weren't being shown. And that broke down barriers for lots of girls who had dreams like me and you. So yeah, this is almost like a, this, this title is a humble tribute to something that we love and respect and care a lot about. Yeah. Especially Carrie Fisher. I mean, I think every woman, every woman every day faces um, things like this. Maybe not as bad as this, because this is literally, literally her boss coming up to her when she's 19 years old and telling oh her not God, to wear right? underpants. Right? Literally, yes. that is what's going on. And well, in a and public like, what space. What a sense of humor to have about it. <laughs> yeah, like. for real. And she must have known it was ridiculous. <laughs> like, right? Like, oh at, the t- at the time. And she decided that she was going to take this moment and she was going to twist it into something that would raise us all up and sort of mock the idea. Also, what exactly what exactly do men think bras are about? <laughs> like, Yeah, like, where are you going to be strangled by a bra? Like, I get, like, you know, like, maybe... All right, let me just say, your bra would break, A, and B, why is it around your... Like, why... How is it around your neck? That's my what quest- I want to know. So my question is, why isn't he worried about Han Solo's tight pants? I mean... Yeah, right. <laughs> like, what? your bra... Your bra is, is, is tighter, certainly, than usually your shirt is. But, like, get, 100% of your clothing doesn't expand in space. <laughs> like, yes. Sure. Oh, I, no, for sure. Does not you make sense. You feel like on some level, Carrie Fisher got a kick out of telling that story because she got to kind of be like, I know, wasn't that a creepy thing for someone to say? Like, I just do. like on like a subtweet level, you know? Yeah, because I, I feel like, you know, she does, she does, like, and, and they all do have to kind yeah. of, have to kind of, uh, you know, they're not, they're not going to put George Lucas totally on blast. Right. Sure. Absolutely. But I do think this is a, a subtle way for her to be like, yeah, George Lucas, the guy who like invented Ewoks, he is also a creep. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> he's, cre- he's, he's a creep. He he may think that making a child smile is way more important than not being racially insensitive, but he's also a creep. Yeah, no, totally. So I think of the way we want our show to work is we're going to pick a a piece of media or a character or kind of a general concept um, from from uh, from sci-fi that relates to sci-fi and we're going to center our episodes around that and kind of dig in from a feminist perspective so this week and in fitting with our uh, title of our show we're going to start with the og princess leia Exactly. All right. So we're going to start, of course, Star Wars is like a monolith of things that you can talk about. So wrapping your arms around this universe is very, very hard. But we're going to do our best. 
Um, and I think we should start with uh, our handshake with Princess Leia with her and New New Hope. I don't think very many people start reading like the books and then come to the OG trilogy. I mean, maybe now. I don't know. But I certainly didn't. Uh, but but even so, like, I think that this is an important moment to talk about because it was the first time in 1977 that anyone met Princess Leia. Yeah, totally. So her introduction in New Hope is something to behold. So after the the crawl, which now still every time I see it, I get like this like lump in my throat because um, <laughs> it's so exciting and it, it takes it takes me right back to being a kid and watching these. No, shows. absolutely, it it does make it feel more like like a serial, and it just that's fun and exciting, and weird. I also anyway, I also think, and maybe this is just because I'm living in a post uh, Brene Brown world, but I think it it forces everyone to like stop and like reset their expectations for what's about to happen. Like it's almost yeah. it's almost like a brilliant cheat. So anytime you see anything in the Star Wars like canon, you think back to how you felt and like what the experience you had during one of the first of the original trilogy because that crawl like snaps you back to that place. So you're like yeah. you watch it and then you are ready to be in the Star Wars universe. It's very clever. Totally. It's very clever. So, anyway. It really no, it really is. And you're right. Even like the a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Same thing. And I I remember that feeling when I saw A New Hope, which it was just an incredible experience to get to see something come to life again in a way that didn't feel like garbage that uh that I love, you know, and that feeling yeah, it snaps you back to being a child and it also like captures just the specialness. It also I feel like so in this does it too, right? So we see the intro crawl. The, and the first thing we see is Tantive IV, um, this diplomatic uh, spaceship that Princess Leia is coolly smuggling the Death Star plans on back. So this is a ship that's been in the Organa family for a long time, if you read about it. Yeah. And yeah. it is designed for small, like it can hold like 100 people, small diplomatic business. So the idea is that you're supposed to cruise this ship up to planets, larger ships, and then all the diplomats get off and then they have fancy dinners on this ship. But instead, she's using this to smuggle these plans home. It's also a really old ship. This would be like, I'm trying to imagine what this would be like. This would be like if you took every, if like you were going to conduct uh, secret Black Lives Matters business at like at like a, a Jeff Ruby steakhouse. <laughs> like, yeah. Like it's or, like, in a, or one of those giant like mob suburbans from the early nineties. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're, um, you're, you're planning, you're planning the next rebellion at, at an Outback steakhouse. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, totally. it's totally, it's, but a little bit cheesier than that. Yeah. Um, totally. It gets overtaken by a star destroyer. And stormtroopers start flooding on board, guns blazing. And all this is happening, there's just kind of this, this a massive amount of action. And you see Princess Leia literally shooting stormtroopers and then recording the world's most composed SOS message of all time. Like, it's Oh my just... god, absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. That's so funny because you're right. Like, there, there's a Darth Vader coming for you. It's like, 
excuse me. General Kenobi, well, my father. You yeah, know, like, I would like now. I'm gonna go. <laughs> now I'm going to go into the the like uh, our pedigree with each other as diplomats yeah. and important. Like, what? She yeah. gives a full a full background, full background, just in yeah. case he doesn't remember. Um, and then no, even and then even has amazing public speaking uh, instincts to repeat her final message a couple times. Yeah. So she's a Healthy central thesis. You're my only yeah. hope. It's a centralized yeah. thesis that she comes back to at the end. It's, it's well done. Love it. Um, Love it. It's just further proof that that woman, like, that woman has to be the most cool under pressure out of, like, oh, well, anyone in that mood, like, death could be coming for me, but I'm going to take care of the mission I was sent on. Yeah. Like, what she about knows, She knows her business. Um, I believe this is also when she does her first, like, fake out. She's really famous for that, which I think is funny because I don't think people talk about it, where she, like, like, someone sees her and she's like, yeah, you got me. And then she shoots them cold and cold blood. <laughs> yeah, totally. So she shoots. Yeah, we got, we got real mad about Han shoots first, but, um, Leo, like, 100% but of the time still. always shoots first. Like, yeah. you haven't even thought about shooting and Leo shooting you first. Um, Then she's stunned and brought before Vader, where she kind of sets the tone for the fact that she's just going to be, like, white hot, full of white hot rage and, like, regal for the rest of all of her interactions with everybody else in the Empire is that way. Which is interesting, actually, because so I spent some time with the uh, the original script, just kind of reading it for, like, stage notes, which there are precious few. Thank you. I did. There are precious few. I love that. And the ones that are there, I don't think are real. Like, do you get the sense? Well, or maybe they're just like, uh, I mean, I think they're real. I think that that it's the script. But I, do you ever get the sense that she's afraid of Vader? I don't. Afraid of Vader? Yeah. And that's definitely, like, when she meets him, she basically is like, you are out of line. Get off my ship. Like, what are you doing? You are going to go to prison. (laughs) <laughs> like basically Absolutely. and then when she meets Grand Moff Tarkin she like doubles down on that and basically is like Vader's a mindless attack dog that that is like being held by the rest of the Empire and you are a coward who smell who smells bad <laughs> like, yeah like after he's told her that she is going to be executed she is captured she is tortured and she's in prison waiting execution and she is not afraid of these people she's kind of afraid of that weird floating shot needle droid thing that comes but that is because she's literally about to be tortured by it well yeah no i think that that's totally fair in terms of like something to be scared about i recently read uh from the journey star wars series leia princess of alderaan and they actually you see the first time she meets Grandma Tarkin because she's like a part of like this young diplomat. I think of it as like model UN. I'm sure it's like <laughs> a lot more prestigious. Uh, Leia's a page. She's shown up. But she's like, wearing like an Ann, like an Ann Taylor yeah. loft blazer for her first day. <laughs> well, no, exactly. She like calls herself an intern a bunch. Like it's really that's funny. amazing. She's, she's real sweet, but um realizes even in that capacity that like this guy is like using them to try to justify colonizing planets and stuff like that um and she sees through him like from the start partly because her father is a great diplomat and he's taught her a lot her mother is queen her father's just a viceroy which i imagine is less than a a a queen because you know come on 
Come on, guys. It is. But, uh, it is. Who, who but are... Yeah, no, it's really interesting seeing, like, that backstory. And also, you kind of understand, like, how much she cares about the rebellion and why she's willing to uh, risk her life and hmm. Would you recommend it? It's been a secrets. long... It's been a long time since I've read a Star Wars book. Well, so let me let me just say, like, the, so no spoilers. Everyone should read it if you have time. It is, like, a, a, a very pleasant read. Uh, you get a little background on uh, Admiral Holdo, who uh, proved me otherwise is Leia's girlfriend in the last movie. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> NBD. But, uh, no, but she... She finds out her parents have been secretly uh, doing this rebellion. They won't let her help. She ends up like convincing them to let her help because she knows that something terrible is about to happen. But she's faced with this choice: Would you rather keep Alderaan safe because it's a beautiful place in the world and it should always exist, or would you rather like the rest of the galaxy fare better? And she chooses the galaxy over her home planet. So. At the end, at that moment, like, she's already made that choice, and her parents already agree, and they think it's selfish to think otherwise. So, you know, and they blow up Alderaan, it's awful, but it's almost like she'd already come to terms with that, you know? Hmm. Like, she knew what the cost was in a way that, like, Luke sure as heck didn't, you know? <laughs> Does Luke know anything through this entire <laughs> <laughs> I want to get my, like, what is it, the battery converters or whatever? God, power converters! Power converters at the Tashi station! <laughs> He wanted exactly. to go to the gas station so that he could get a fast break. Like, is basically yeah. how he his handshake with the world. I don't... <laughs> um, the way she... So, that actually... I, I, I actually... I'm going to read it now. I, have, I, I think the last Star Wars book I read was when I was, like, on the cusp. I was not quite a girl but not yet a woman i was on the i was a teenager and i read totally. the, the courtship of princess leia which i do not think is even canon but it's a pretty good like bodice ripper i would say and like that has a place Meh. who cares it's a romantic it's a romantic like it's a romantic novel <laughs> like who cares it belongs um totally well i would so i don't think i don't know if that's canon but like they this actually has her meeting her first love and her first love uh, is is uh, a very, as her mom calls them, a very suitable man. She's like almost says like, it makes me a little sad. I feel like everyone should be like be with a scoundrel at least once in their life, and then you like, like <laughs> and then and then she forward. and then she looks at the and then she breaks the fourth wall out of a book and winks at you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Exactly. It's hilarious. Then but, every then every heterosexual woman's uterus kind of does a lub dub. Yeah. I yeah. Right. I get so, you. Totally. Totally. <laughs> really funny. But but let's go through that relationship and you know it's interesting and I don't I don't know if we're doing any spoilers so I won't I won't give oh, anything else I away. Think... But I feel like it contextualizes like maybe why Leia uh ends up with Han you know uh in a way that just meeting her on her own. I know that there's a younger generation of girls who thinks that Leia's just like a love interest. I think that's a totally short-sighted reading. And oh, I think, I think comes... we're gonna don't even worry. We're gonna dig into that. That's some nonsense. Yeah, that's, right that's there. a little, little, little knee-jerk reactiony. But I mean, I think that yeah, read Leia, Princess of Alderaan. It's a really interesting book. It talks also about how beautiful and amazing Alderaan is, which you know, pour a little out through the full planet that isn't and. Yeah, yeah, do it. It's lovely. Um, yeah, and I mean, just kind of going off the romantic, like she's a romantic figure. She is certainly, which is important and good. But 
this initial this initial uh you know in new hope she is not positioned that way we meet her as a brave protagonist um absolutely and she's not a plot point and she's not a romantic foil and like no. in the traditional sense at the very least like and she very clearly is not a damsel in distress which like i feel like was is still a pervading trope what was a pervasive trope especially in sci-fi at that time um and well, and you, and from a high, she grabs the gun. Yeah, so someone's got to rescue us, kids. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Well, from from a very high level, you can understand. It's like if you if you explained this like briefly on a cocktail napkin, I would not blame someone for thinking this was basically Mario in space. Like, you've got <laughs> your prince. Your yeah, princess totally. is in a moon castle, and, <laughs> and you got to go find her. Um, but it's not like that at all. Like, she turns it on her head by being, te- technically, she's the third protagonist we see, if you consider the droids the main characters of the movie, which I do. Um, <laughs> which I, no, I, I 100% mean, I think that's do. that's arguably totally true. Yeah. Because unlike the other movies, like, we do start really with just these droids. They are a thread. We're rooting for R2-D2 and C-3PO before we're rooting for Luke. Yeah. I mean, like, the characters I identify with in the Star Wars universe start with R2-D2. So I don't know yeah. what that says about me, but it's true. Um, but they're like the main characters. And in fact, the first time, like what is kind of fun about Leia, I think is initially the first thing we know about her is they're like, she's not going to get away with it this time. Like there's no escape this time, which automatically puts you in the position where like, this is not her first rodeo. She has shot no, stormtroopers yeah. before. She's done these things. She's run daring missions before. She is like yeah. old hand at this. She is like, she's like the 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 wise old cowpoke that rides into the town and picks up the kid. She is Rooster Cogburn, and the and Luke Skywalker is that plucky young girl. <laughs> like that is the case. No, totally. I no. I think the same argument they make about like Peta and Katniss that Peta is you know, the traditional girlfriend. Like, I think you can make that about a new hope, you know, like, yeah. like Luke's the, the last one who's never been invited to the ball. He's almost a Cinderella at the beginning. You know what I mean? <laughs> what? I have to stay on the farm and I can't go, can't go out with all my friends. Whoa, poor lonesome farm boy, you know? Yeah. 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 He's, he's stuck. Um, but it's, it's almost sort of, like when you watch the first bit of this, you kind of are like, how on earth does she need these bozos to break her out of her cell? Like she's so self-possessed. It's yeah. That's weird. weird. She's got like grit, like, you know? Like, yeah. Yes. She yes. actually, she actually is like, she's, she's basically exactly like Han Solo. Like actually. Like no, she, ac- absolutely. Like Han, like has the, the only difference is that Han comes with different baggage. Han yeah. has baggage in terms of like he owes a bounty hunter some money. It wasn't something I noticed until I was an adult. But when you're watching like the Empire Strikes Back, it's not like he wants to stop the fight. He wants to go pay off a debt because he doesn't want to be killed. And like, yeah, she's like she's when you less... get to the end of the movie, you're like, oh, that maybe was a good idea, bro. You she's know? less. Uh, she's less. Um... She's less emotional than he is. Like she, yeah, she's kind of like sorted out how her life is gonna be and like her, and become like emotionally good with it, and he hasn't yeah. yet. Like that's that's yeah. the, those are the big differences, which which are which are also kind of cool. Um, 
unfortunately, Absolutely. unfortunately, like a lot of things, uh, I think that that's kind of one of the places where I don't think that that was like a feminist choice on on the behalf of George Lucas. I think he basically was like, we're going to have this woman and we don't really need to give her much of a backstory. We care way more about totally. the backstories of the men. The men are more complicated. Leia is not as complicated because of that. But the fact yeah. that Carrie Fisher kind of gives her this, like, courageous read as a character and makes yeah. you really believe and sells this kind of concept that you could have, like, a 19-year-old who's leading a rebellion and is self-possessed enough to, like, stick to her story no matter what. Like, keep her composure no matter what. Do whatever needs to be done no matter what. Absolutely. Is, you see her as just yeah. straight personified. Yeah. So I, I kind of, I mean, I think if it was made now and it was made by somebody who kind of understood more the nuance, like the nuances of characterization and, and cared enough to give um, that to a woman, <laughs> like, yeah. I think, I think we'd have a little bit of that for her more. Like, I, I don't necessarily think that her, um, I, I wish she was more complex ultimately, but it sort of reminds me of, it's like, um, we need, uh, She's an early re like rep person of representation, right? Like you, yeah. you kind of simplify them down to something such that a lot of people can kind of attach themselves to that. Uh, I do like that later on we get the reveal that she is actually, you know, full of power. Uh, could be as powerful as who then becomes our protagonist. You know? Oh, um, oh, right. She's like revealed she, to be she could be a Jedi a master. Yeah, if she wanted yeah, to. Yeah, a potential Jedi. Yeah. And I feel like the only way, when I say I don't know if they earned it, is, like, they don't spend enough time, like, on showing, like, why Leia's so special other than just she's strength personified, you know? But uh, I think it's really, it's really awesome. And I love what they were able to do with Carrie Fisher slash Leia and the new trilogy. Like, uh, the power that they're able to give her. I know that's controversial. Some people really didn't like that. But I feel like if you, like, literally never uh, add in more information and expand, like, powers and things like that, then, I mean, we don't, we assume Jedi can do more than what we've seen. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I actually think that they kind of, the the real difference for me, because I always look at this as sort of like, a, this is like um, samurais and cowboys, right? And for whatever reason, the samurai story is just never as good as the cowboy story. And maybe it's just because it's a, it's Western people generally writing it. So our yeah. concept of what samurais are kind of comes off as very cartoony such that, sure. you know, like anytime we see the Jedis, they're like sitting cross-legged and having measured discussions, you know, and it's, it's not as fun <laughs> as like, no, absolutely. as like people. Absolutely. The most action we get is like when someone decides to kill all of them, you know? Like, right. Yes. It's definitely awful, but. And there's nothing, right. there's nothing more fun than like, just because like the samurai story is just about very collected people. And that's not as fun as watching um, a bunch of 
more more flawed characters playing grab ass in space. Like it's just not. Yeah. It's never gonna totally. be. It's just never gonna be. So I kind of again, once again, I don't want to give George Lucas too much credit because I'm sure that it never <laughs> even occurred to him that people would want to see Princess Leia become a Jedi Master. Like that wasn't like a choice totally. on his part. But I think that the fact that she is a woman they kind of gave her like women's work, quote unquote, which was like very practical and very militaristic and actually is much better. Like, so she kind of gets to walk this line where, yes, she has all the powers. Yes, she could be everything that Luke is, but like somebody's got to lead this rebellion. And so that's what she's going to do any- anyway. And it's a better story. She gets stuff done. Like, yeah. Well, so I would I would even take this step further and say the funny thing about what you just said just reminded me that I know that this is a different thing, but it's a part of the franchise because uh, meta narrative uh, in the Battlefront Two Star Wars game, Leia's one of the most powerful characters if you learn how to like use her weapons right. You know, like it takes like some work, but like you know she's never been a slouch. And yeah, well, I do and, love as, which is correct. She's a main character. Like, yeah, like I'm sorry, yeah. she should be every good bit as good as Luke and Han. <laughs> like, yeah, she's actually better. That's uh, awesome. She's actually like. So she is know, like she Princess can be Peach for longer. She is she, like Princess Peach. She's actually secretly the best character because she can like float around and stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. So there was a second book that was written, and it's supposed to bridge the gap between uh, the Return of the Jedi and. Uh, a Force Awakens, and it's called Star Wars Bloodline, and it kind of talks about how like they find out that she is an heir of Vader, and she gets kind of pushed out of uh, a government that was already kind of bowing to the Force Order anyway, and that's when she like she's the one who starts you know what they call like the original one was the Rebel Alliance, and this one they just call the Rebellion, uh, even though he's the same like. Sinology, that that was her. She's the one who like reinvents it to take on the next generation of evil. And so that moment where they're like, "Oh, the general, she'll always be royalty to me." Like, yeah, me too. But like, I'm so <laughs> glad we're giving her the credit and credentialing that she deserves as the person who has masterminded this entire new operation of rebellion, the new generation of work. Yeah, I mean that. That's why I think she's like a character that is is something she makes the most sense when you when we dip back in um, with the more recent movies and you find out that Luke is just gone and Han is like up to his old ways and like and she's the only one trying to hold the galaxy together well and she's a general like she's she also is where she, she also is where she's originally was like basically and i and i think it's kind of a failing on the on the most recent movies and and don't even get me started about the fact that apparently nobody can like no one has dr spock in space like how can (laughs) how how is everyone such a bad parent (laughs) in these movies namely how is everyone such a bad father in these movies um, yeah, no, totally. Especially when we see that, like, apparently Han is able to be like an excellent fa- father figure to Ray, kind of, kind of yeah. for no reason. Like, just drops yeah, right no, on totally. into it. It's very it's weird. Like, it's like, oh, you're just like me. Like, and it would only make. <sighs> yeah. No, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't Ray's make sense. Parentage, all of that. It just brings me back to what you were saying about Leia, about how they didn't feel like they need to get for a backstory because we get a great backstory for. 
good old Kyle, as I have started calling him. Um, But but for Ray, it's like, oh, you get excited back straight? Nope, your parents are just like, you know, whoever. Which I'm not opposed to. Like, I think that's fine. But in terms of, like, backstory, it does, like, diminish, like, what we were, we were expecting something bigger for her. Than well, just, I don't. We're expecting a story for her. I don't like the fact, I feel like it's a little bit they're trying to buck, sort of. And I don't think that this is wrong. Like, everybody, everybody is a blue blood in Star Wars, except for Han Solo, and he might get that treatment when we get the new movie. I don't know. But like, yeah. like everybody, everyone's a princess. Everybody is like destined. There's a lot of that. And I don't think it's wrong. You know, I think like kind of the way that they're moving is more to democ- democratize that and be like, no, anybody, you know, like these are just normal totally everyday people, which is which is a great direction. And, and I, I applaud it. But I think the whole like Ray thing is just like a fumble. I, I think it's a symbol that they didn't have a goddamn yeah. plan. Like, they absolutely. Don't. Well, and apparently they didn't. And that is the most frustrating thing that I had to learn was that when J.J. Abrams handed over the movie to Ryan Johnson, and I was like, whatever you want, man. And now it's going back to J.J. Abrams, where, like, Ryan Johnson didn't tell him what to do next. And he was like, well, as a fan, I'm excited, too. And it's like, dude, that's not how narrative works. It's incredibly I'm... frustrating. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I basically don't trust Disney as far as I can throw them. I mean, they're in this to make some money. Yeah. And yeah. I guess the, you know, everybody becomes jaded as they age, obviously. That's like part of, that's like part of your, yeah. why, why like everybody starts, I don't know. That's why people like decide they want to vote for Ronald Reagan, right? Like you become, and, yeah. but I feel like my biggest point of becoming jaded is realizing that nobody has a goddamn plan. And even if there is a goddamn plan, no one sticks to it. And that is oh so God. frustrating for me as it a person. Is. We think that this is like, this is like a functioning ecosystem and we're planning it with crop rotations so that this farm can last us for generations upon generations. And actually what's happening is it's mountaintop removal. They're like, they're like, gut it, take it in there. Let's, let's, let's just, let's just rip it off and let's, let's let's mine the entire cave for everything that there is and leave the planet destroyed and then drop a nuke and get the hell out. Yep. And we're not going to care because... We're sitting in Walt Disney's secret uh, cryogenic frozen center, and it's all fine on a big well, pile and, of money. And I just realized to bring back in Game of Thrones, those guys were just given a trilogy. And it's not clear what trilogy they were given, but you know that. The Weiss and whatever. Benioff and Weiss. Yeah, they're going to have their own Star Wars trilogy. And no, that they're trustworthy. <laughs> like, is it going to be like I a super rapey that. trilogy, like oh a trilogy for adults? Yeah. Now we've now we've peopled this world finally with women, and now they're going to let us see those women's tits jiggle while someone fucks them from behind. Great. Yes. Great. Oh my god. Yes. We're go- we're back to their <sighs> obsession with like one sex position, and that's it. You know. Oh my god. <sighs> These guys suck. Ugh. That's that's stressful. All right. Let's let's move. Let's go to happier topics. Um, Huzzah! All right. So, do we want to talk about Carrie Fisher as a person? I feel like. Well, talk- maybe we should harness this like rage issues or this rage that we have. I feel like we would be, we would be, we need to not gloss over the issues with Princess Leia as a character, and there are some. Yeah. Yeah. All um. Right. So. Shoot. 
one thing that's really funny to me about her as a character is I I don't have I the Star Wars is one of the first movies I I remember seeing when I was a child. And yeah. I would watch it seated on like crisscross applesauce on the floor my carpeted floor eating a popsicle which man my mom was like really trusting of me to like wick away the <laughs> Houston heat where I was growing up and watching Star Wars. So like yeah. these characters have just kind of always been for me and indoctrin like it was like indoctrination. Like Princess Absolutely. Leia was cool, she kicked ass and she was bubblegum, like she's beautiful. All of these things were just like things I accepted because I I saw it when I was such a small child. And Absolutely. I distinctly remember being in college and watching these movies with, like, uh, a bunch of women in my dorm. And um, one of the women pointing out to me that isn't it, isn't it weird that everywhere she goes, we were watching Empire and she's just met um, Lando Calrissian. And, yeah. and she yeah. points out to me, she's like, isn't it weird that everywhere, everywhere she goes, people are like, she's so beautiful when her look is so severe, she wears like big, long, kind of shapeless dresses mostly, and has like makeup that is that is not soft. <laughs> there is nothing soft about her. She's got these crazy geometric hairstyles, and everyone yeah. talks about how beautiful she is all the time. And it like that was a moment, like I always kind of knew that like Princess Leia was important to me as like how I developed as a woman. But that really like was the first time I was like, whoa, you can think about her in that way. And it kind of clicked. And I was like, well, that's why I like her, clearly. You know, I think that this yeah. person, you know, did not did not see that there is power in that. That to, to tell yeah. a bunch of little girls that this powerful woman is, uh, is attractive is actually kind of important. <laughs> because all yeah. women are taught to do, are told to do is be attractive and yeah usually and demure kind of yes and the, the attractive qualities quote unquote are ones that put you in a position of um like low power but interestingly enough i i kind of started digging into this and when um when this, these move this movie first came out in 1977 people people thought kind of like were either polarized or sometimes this was like mixed in together in the criticism of her and said that she was like a wholesome princess in distress, quote unquote. They saw her, and I think that's just because she's kind of, she's not like, her sexual nature is not a big deal in the first movie. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they thought she was really wholesome, and they also thought she was really like masculine because of her connection with the military. And what a weird combination of things. Although yeah, I will that's fascinating. Though I will say, you know, as a, as a woman living in the world, um, I, I I understand and sympathize with uh, getting contradicting um, feedback <laughs> and being expected yeah. to be both less wholesome, but also more feminine, but also less princessy, but also less of a general. So, yeah, you know, this sort of bullshit was was always part <laughs> of, of how we read her. Absolutely. Absolutely. What I mean, did you were you aware when you were a kid that she was that I guess for me, one of the things that was really nice about her is when I was a kid, I just kind of accepted that that was who she was. They don't make a big deal. Again, I'm not giving them credit for this, but I think it was powerful in why it speaks to so many women. They never make a big deal. They're not like, well, Princess Leia is a princess, but she's also really good at leading military troops. It's not like these things are special because she is a woman. She's exceptional as a human being. Yeah, 
no, I think that I think I think her exceptionalness as a human being is what's important. And we don't see a ton of other women in the first. Uh, I mean, we movies. see we see we see space strippers. And we see for all of the first trilogy and we see Aunt Beru yeah. and we see Mon Mothma. Those are the women <laughs> that we get. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's not like um, there are a ton of others to uh, compare her to, but um, I, I accepted her exceptionalness. I accepted that women could be strong and good at a multitude of things, that they could be kind of the, the, the rock. And in so many ways, I feel like Leia never loses sight of, um, of what the goal is. In a way that I don't think you could say about Luke or Han. Well, I think she knows what the goal is and they don't. (laughs) Like, they never, they never have a goal. They never have a goal. (laughs) No, for sure. And that that even, like, kind of extends to, um, like, when Cicerithio plays back that old message on In the Last Jedi. uh, And he's like, oh, that was a dick move or something. He doesn't say that. I'm sorry. (laughs) I would love it if C-3PO was like, you know what? I'm really, I'm just going to break that down. That was a dick move. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's, uh, it's, it's Luke is with, uh, R2-D2 and The Last Jedi and the Millennium Falcon and R2-D2 plays back the original message that Leia sent Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's like, oh, that was a, that was a low blow or something of the sort. Like a cheap Uh, move. Yeah. Well, and what, and what he means is like, oh, you're just pulling on my heartstrings about Leia, but think almost R2-D2 is like, no, this is, you're missing the point. Like, this isn't about just going and showing up for, like, people that you love. This is about, it's always been bigger than this. You can't just walk away. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, when when I think about it, and this is totally, this is totally me, like, shooting from the hip, because I I have not vetted this strongly. But I'm pretty sure the only like risky thing Princess Leia does strictly for what one could argue is selfish reasons is rescue Han Solo from Jabba's palace. Everything- Absolutely. In fact, that's what I was thinking of too. Yes. And, and I almost feel like, and like surely she deserves that. <laughs> also, yeah. I think it's hilarious that clearly like Luke is just not talking to anybody because he has like a sub version of her plan, which is not as good. I mean, yeah, and yeah. they both fail, which is also great. Which I, I think we can yeah. get to that. But um, speaking of Return of the Jedi, definitely, definitely the thing that is the most damning about Princess Leia and that people want to bring up again and again is the gold bikini, the slave outfit. So you've heard what Carrie Fisher has to say about this, right? Yes, and I think it's. I mean, like, first of all, I think it's beneath her dignity that people bring it up with her i always think it's funny when 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 people want to ask actresses it's a trap right like it's a trap to be like how did you feel wearing that very sexualized outfit you know yeah no absolutely absolutely and there's no good way to answer that right like you get crucified no matter what you say in that scenario like i wouldn't blame her if she was like you know what i was smoking and i'm glad that i did it (laughs) yeah like yeah i don't know i I don't, the gold bikini is really weird for me um, because definitely when I was a kid, I knew it was like titillating, you know, obviously. Yeah, it is. no, everyone, everyone did. Uh, no kid, no kid was able to see that and not understand like yes. what the purpose was. Yes, but, and, and many movies, including Star Wars for me, um, 
mostly because of Harrison Ford, though, um, have moments that spark sexual awakenings in kids. There are sexy characters all the time, all over the place in children's movies. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Like, I think it's fine. You know, I don't have really an issue with it. The, yeah. ish, the issue I have with the gold bikini is sort of like, I mean, like, obviously you could have a whole meal. We could do an entire podcast. We could do, we could do many years worth of podcasts about, isn't it messed up that this is a sexual touch point for so many Americans and it is a, it is a slave outfit it is, it is like, that is what it's called. If it's not called the it's gold bikini. It's called Slave Leia. It's not slave, called, yeah. It's right. And like America is garbage at facing realities of power dynamics that push oppressed people down and yeah. that are based in our concepts of slavery and how we don't deal with it. And just sex in general, like how we deal with that feminine sex in general, we're not good at. Um, yeah. So like, totally. so like we could, we could make a whole meal out of like what that means, but mostly it upsets me because I think it's majorly shitty that Leia as a character is bogged down by this outfit because it's such a tiny moment. It really is. In everything I, else. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And like, I do want to kind of read the quote from Carrie Fisher, if you don't mind. Oh, please about do. This. Please because, do. Yes. Like you said, I think it's the best reaction. And she was talking about uh, parents who uh, flip out about oh, the outfit. Yeah, parents and, who, a who, are, who ask her what they're supposed to tell their kids, to which I yeah. would be like, I have boobs and a vagina. That's what I would tell them. <laughs> and, no, totally. And depending totally. on what how the children want to live their lives, they might have those things one day too. Right. Tell them that a giant slug captured me and forced me to wear that stupid outfit, and then I killed him because I didn't like it. And then I took off backstage. And further, she's described that as, I had a lot of fun killing Jabba the Hutt. They asked me once on set if I wanted to have a stunt double kill Jabba. No, that's the best time I ever had as an actor. Like, I love that because she's right. Like, that gold bikini is awful. And it's awful that their character gets bogged down by it. But, like, it was also, like, like not, not a perfect, definitely, like, a cartoonish 2D model of, like, you know, oppression. But this guy was a terrible, terrible person, you know? Like, that's not on Leia, you know? And yes, it's on George Lucas for like being like oh, <laughs> a gross dude in the background about it. But like, whatever. I think Carrie Fisher's right. Yeah, she's absolutely right. She's absolutely right. She would be right kind of no matter what. Like, even if she was just yeah. like, it was a costume. I don't know what, I don't know what yeah, to tell no, you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like no, you're right. I don't, it's not, it's not that I like want to necessarily, I don't expect anything better from a man who would tell a 19 year old in his employ not to wear a bra, certainly, than to put something out there, something like this out there. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think it's that offensive. I don't, you know, like, no, it's like, a swimsuit, dude. it's not, like, a, it's just not a big deal to me. <laughs> I don't know. It's I really don't really not like, and like, the, and, and honestly, though, like, if you feel like she's being objectified and whatever, she kills the guy like that. You know, like, it's over, you know? But if Leia wanted to wear a gold bikini, like, you know, I feel like it'd be a different conversation entirely. Yeah. Well, it's the whole thing where we want to have it both ways. We both, yeah. we want we want to go to the movies and we want to see beautiful people in sexy outfits, but also we want those people to be wholesome and pure. Like, we're like, this whole thing is just the Madonna whore complex, and I don't care. Like, oh. I just, 
Absolutely. I just don't care because honestly, we have bigger fish to fry, and so does Leia. We really do. <laughs> the cosmetic impression is not as important as like the actual instances of oppression that are happening all the time. And yeah. when we get distracted about that, and I don't mean like it's not important when there's like problematic stuff happening on screen. I'm just saying we also need to take care of what's happening like in our world. Yeah. You can't just be upset about Leia's gold bikini and not be marching for women or Black Lives Matter or kids who don't want to get shot in school, you know? Yep. Save your moral outrage for something that, like... Matters. Matters. Or, or if you find yourself being attracted to the fact that you are sexually aroused by the concept of slavery, take that to your therapist. You, yeah, you yeah do, no, totally. You do, you do absolutely need help, but it is something that I personally, as a human, cannot help you with. I support no. you in investigating those and fixing it. Fix it, Jesus. Like, I don't know. Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> I don't know. No, totally. That's, that's totally. weird. Um, I will say, though, uh, just kind of like expanding on this and, and kind of the, um, the, the more sexualization of her as a character, I think that the, the, the scenes in the movie that are charged are, very, are incredibly hot for being as PG as they are. And I think that that's important. Absolutely. That is important for her as a character. Yeah. Like, she's, like, the like the first time she and Han kiss hot. is on hot. And, like, they're so fully bundled up. You know what I mean? Like, but that moment just still feels like a little bit electric. I can't remember. Is that, like, kind of a rapey kiss? I don't know. It It is and it isn't. I mean, I think... Okay. Uh, it's, I mean, like, they're, they're, um, I think it's important always when we talk about this kind of stuff, like, um, like, sh like, she is consenting to it. Like, that is, that's part yeah. of it. And, like, part of her banter with, basically, her and Han's whole deal is that they call each other out on their bullshit constantly. So like that's like their that's kind of like their chemistry and and the way that they react to each other. Now Absolutely. is is this something that normal people can do? Probably like can you just assume that you can read the other person and know for sure what like <laughs> know for sure that they agree to something even if they're like maybe saying no? No, you can't. But like within no. the context of this, within the context of the story, they are in. They are not only like attracted to each other; they are in love with each other because it's a wholesome well, tale. Well, and we've also been through a lot of life and death scenarios together. If you two have single-handedly like destroyed a Death Star with someone, I think you get to like assume a little bit more about their emotions and feelings. Not like in a way to take away their energy. Like seriously, guys. Like until you destroy a Death Star with someone, like maybe ask them what they want to participate with yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that all women should feel empowered. I don't think that many women should kill as many people as Princess Leia has either. No, totally. <laughs> like, right? Totally. To be fair, I don't know that Princess Leia wanted to kill as many people as she did. In fact, I'm positive she did. I'm positive that she just knows what has to be done in the scenario. And this is not what she asked for, but it's the world she was born into. Yeah. Kind of like all of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. No, I just, so like, I, I feel pretty comfortable. I, I don't need this. I don't need every kiss in the Star Wars, like in this world and in media in general to be a whistle clean primer for how I want human beings to interact with each other sexually. As, totally. Totally. As, as controversial as that might be. Um, I think. Well, it, I mean. 
I, I, I don't. Realistic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, yeah, it just it just is. Um, yeah. And I know that a lot of people think that her romance, her kind of casting her as a romantic figure and falling in love and like that that whole aspect of her character is sort of a failure. But I think it's kind yeah. of great because it signals that she's actually an adult, unlike Luke. Totally. Like Luke yeah. remains a boy for the whole thing. He's even he's yeah. even a boy in the in the most recent film. Like that is who he is as a character. But Leia like gets to grow beyond up beyond that a little bit in the most recent film. But I know exactly what you're saying. Right, like, like that's not to like like by the end of it, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, his his characterization is always like of of the isolation and discovery of childhood. Even up until yeah. the end. And that's okay. Yeah. There's nothing... I'm not saying that that's, like, a bad choice for him. It's something that I would not want... It's something I wouldn't want for her. I want her to be a real adult and, like, grow up. Absolutely. And, in fact, you Absolutely. never you never get to see her as a child, which is sort of special in this world. Like, yeah. this... Like, Star Wars does not bear any resemblance to the movie Splash. Princess Leia is never <laughs> out of her element, ever ever in any of this whereas luke is constantly asking for clarification and he doesn't know the rules and even when people directly tell tell him something he needs them to repeat it a couple times people if if you switch the characters out obi-wan kenobi would be like yeah vader's your dad to to leia on like day one because he knew he knows that she can handle it and she will still stab him in the belly if she has to Luke is not going to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, Luke has, like, such a problem with just solving the problem. I'm not saying that, like, it's not great that he was able to eventually get Darth Vader when he was on deathbed to renounce. But that not having as much to do with Princess Leia as uh, I would like, I am also interested in the question, like, if Vader hadn't have died, like, would have ended up closer to what happened with Kylo Ren. Like, you know, like, they take down the Emperor together, or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Supreme Leader Snoke, and then, like, he's still alive, and his offers still, you know, come rule with me, you know? Because that was Vader's whole thing. Like, who's to say that at the end, like, he actually turns versus, he saved his son, and then he died, but, like, if they had both lived through it, he would have been like, like, would he really have just joined the Resistance? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, honestly, I don't think that Star Wars is as emotionally complex of a vehicle to <laughs> totally. to handle totally. to handle true change. Like, I will be. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't really know what's going to happen with Kylo Ren um, in these like next couple movies. And you know yeah. what's more important? And you know what's more important? Neither do the people who are making them, which makes me exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, that's the whole so problem. So when people want to like, write thought pieces about how like Kylo Ren is a school shooter and like gives us a purview into all this stuff, I'm like, dude, I think that literally, I think that literally, it's by accident. <laughs> like, yeah, and that's great. No, I, but, I also didn't know people were even trying to do that because, like, oh man, it's no. upset. It upsets me on a, like a very primal level. I think also because Adam Driver, I can never uh, uncouple him from the TV show Girls, and I was so repulsed by him in Girls that I just yeah. don't have a very much empathy for him. So I'm like the I whole. Feel like- 
I'm definitely rooting for like Ray to kill him. <laughs> that is what I want to happen. <laughs> so, so here's a fun thing about me. Uh, I am a sucker for like almost any tension uh, between characters. And therefore, I was not rooting for her to kill him because I did not have that problem with divorcing him from uh, from girls. But also, that guy is like a naking jerk. He's like, not. He's not fun. He's not a cool dude. Him. He's and not a cool I, dude. That's what's so great about Ray. Uh, I think we could say the uh, the heroine who will pick up now that uh, our dear lady Carrie Fisher is gone. Ray like never falls for that crap. Like there's never a moment where she's like, "Oh, you're right about me." She's like, "Please don't make it about this." And then yeah, he she's does. more self like, All right, well, I guess I guess we're done. And you gotta love that, you know? That's power. Um. What's also powerful about Leia as a romantic character is that it doesn't consume her as a person. Yeah. I mean, I think definitely Star Wars has issues with parents. It's not very good at doing parents. But totally. Uh, so <laughs> they don't get a total pass for the fact that like Leia basically is just like not a mom. Because um, <laughs> I think that they just don't know how to write them. <laughs> So yeah, no, absolutely. What are you going to do there? But I do think that they could have easily fallen into the trap where she just is a romantic figure, but that's not her. Her story, no, no matter what, and throughout every every um, movie that she's in, is that she is a leader of this rebellion. That is her central yeah. goal and purpose in the story. And then everything else is just kind of fleshing her out as a person. And absolutely she should have romance and absolutely she should have adventure and absolutely she should have cute moments in the woods with furry teddy bears. And, th but that yeah. is still, that is still her core. Right. And those things, absolutely. those things do not divert her from that, but also don't keep her from doing those things. She can do all of it. She can have it all, which is very inspiring. If anybody could relate to this character, Carrie Fisher could, she is Hollywood. Yeah. She is Hollywood royalty who did not rest on her laurels. She did not have to have a career. Right? Absolutely. If you've got Absolutely. that if you've got that Debbie Reynolds estate monies, you don't yeah. you don't need you don't need to have a job. <laughs> really? Absolutely. And Absolutely. she like, you know, she's not leading a rebellion. I would say that like Princess Leia is sort of a cleaned up version, but like, you know, Carrie Fisher overcome overcame horrible addiction issues that were very much in the public eye. And Absolutely. Um, and still had a humor about it. Uh, did you know that her ashes are interned in a uh, giant Prozac pill? I did not know that, but I love that. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty amazing. And I, I kind of thought it was going to be um, like a Jonathan Adler pill. Have you seen those things? They're like these big Lucite pills and they're kind of designing. No, no. It is like an exact replica of a Prozac pill. I looked at a picture of it today. I love that we'll so post, much. We'll post something on our website about it. It's, it's, yeah. it's worth it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's worth a looky-loo. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But um, and and actually, she has left her stamp physically on the franchise uh, by being a script doctor for it. That was kind of what yeah. She picked herself up. She didn't. Um, she didn't script doctor. I guess anything in necessarily in the uh, first trilogy because that really wasn't her thing yet. That was sort of something she came to uh, after Postcards from the Edge when people suggested that perhaps she should write. So she started writing. Yeah. And then she made her living basically punching up everything from Hook to Sister Act and most recently Last Jedi. But yeah. 
she started rewriting her dialogue. She kind of saw that Harrison Ford was writing his own dialogue and she was like, well, this is annoying because it messes up my thing, but now I'm going to do it. So she was definitely by Empire and certainly Return. She was rewriting her own dialogue to to be the way that she expected this character to um, speak and, and act. Absolutely. And to like a lesser extent, I do, I, I love that her daughter, Billy Lord is, um, has been in all the movies in the new trilogy and like has had like just a little bit increased screen time, uh, in The Last Jedi. And I like the fact that I like the idea that, um, Carrie Fisher, uh, has also kind of bequeathed a little bit of this to her daughter. He seems like a lovely human. Um, yeah, I agree, and it's it's awesome that you you do get the sense that um, she is d- very much respected. Like when I'm sure that when I'm sure her, her nobody had a better trailer than Carrie Fisher on Last yeah. Jedi. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> just right. because of like that's like her status at this point with this with these movies. Well, and uh, Mark Hamill said it was only because of Carrie Fisher that he got over like being irritated about having to be Luke Skywalker again because he was like I find it kind of felt like curmudgeon-y like this is all over and Carrie Fisher Campton was like you're Luke get Suck over it, it and like gave him a big hug and that was it that was enough yeah yeah um there oh. is there is a I also read something this I, I will not be able to cite it because god only knows where I read this but um somebody some like uh, production assistant or some you know a, a crew member said that it was cute when everybody arrived on set uh, to start shooting force awakens both uh, Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill's first question is is Carrie here yet like they want both yeah. wanted to see her before anything yeah. else like wanted to hang yeah. get the crew no, back I, together I, I definitely feel like there's a lot of love and affection and respect there and it translates um past just the movies, past just, like, the culture around them, and every... Carrie Fisher meant a lot to a ton of people, and I love that her legacy will live on uh, in in the princess general amazing uh, manifestation that Princess Leia became. Yeah, I agree. One of my favorite things about Leia as a character, and I attribute this entirely to um, Carrie Fisher's uh, portrayal of her, is that Princess Leia does not have a high regard for men and does not give a goddamn rip about what they think about her at any point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah, and she, yes, yes, all of that. And, And especially at that time, especially being as young as she was, and, you know, her sort of wisdom by beyond her years and competence and all that stuff does make sense for her as an actual person. I mean, she is, she is, she was raised in Hollywood, right? Like, so I'm sure that she was exposed to and saw things and knew things about the industry from an early age that, you know, later, later caused quite a bit of darkness in her life, but she kind of pressed this. She, she used it for this character to uh, kind of come from a place of competence and unflappability, which is, you know, kind of the nicest thing one could say about having that kind of life. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Regardless, they're both weird people who live lives that none of us could ever imagine living, probably. 
Absolutely. I can't imagine being a literal princess on a plant that gets destroyed, nor can I imagine being a Debbie Reynolds a daughter child. of Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and someone who also then puts out, like, puts out there, like, all all of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, read The Princess Diaries, which documents a lot of, like, her early age on the set. Um, does comedy and uh, about terrible things that happen in her life, you know? Like, yeah. she's amazing. Yeah, and and they're they're so they're so unreached. They sh- they could be so unreachable, and I think that this is actually you see this a lot in um, science fiction movies that are less artfully done or less artfully uh, cast, where you kind of have these characters that you just that don't feel like flesh and blood, and both Princess Leia and I think it's because of Carrie Fisher herself have a lot of humanity in them we identify them with them like when carrie fisher speaks and talks about mental illness people pay attention and listen and say like oh that's something that i can like relate to and understand even though you might not have firsthand knowledge of that and that is that's a that's testament to who she is as a person um absolutely her warmth comes from her humanity um both carrie fisher and princess leia did not live the lives that they expected to their plans go wrong. They aren't tactful. They aren't neat people, <laughs> you know? Totally. Um, they're not They're not something, you know, they're not, we, they are none of the things that we are told women should want to be ever. Um, but she's always got a plan. She's always got a blaster up her sleeve and she's willing to shoot. I think that sci-fi is a tough space for women and female characters, Space. For sure. Space. Ah, yeah. It's 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 hard in space for women. <laughs> always. Yeah. Always. Uh, yep. Um, and I, I don't think that she's any uh she's any different, but she sort of, you know, she is the only woman in Star Wars for so long. And yeah. I think that because of her, we can imagine a future where Star Wars expands to more women. And I think because of her, we can imagine a universe where uh, science fiction uh, heroes are women and save themselves and are move the action on our true protagonists. You know, you can kind well, of see you can see her DNA in in later characters for sure. Absolutely, and it moves the way for further diversity by being like one of the first uh, characters to be this fleshed out that was a woman, but like. You know, that paves the way for diversity and all sorts of other spaces uh, in science fiction. And we're seeing that, like, and it's great. It's, I mean, obviously we have a long way to go, but oh, I'm really excited to take this journey with you and all of our listeners through uh, the world of science fiction and feminism. Me too. We're walking, we're walking in Carrie Fisher's Neil Armstrong footprints. Perfect. But there's I only one that. set of footprints because she was carrying me all along. <laughs> she carried us all. Dear Carrie Fisher, thank you for carrying all of us. We're I would like just... to say that we have a Princess Leia tree topper in my house for Christmas. And... Oh, that's amazing. And is... I, yeah. Is it I'm an... very proud every year. Yeah. That's an amazing tree topper. I, I am fully on board with that. Well, yeah, no, this is a, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited that we've, uh, we've bashed this uh, champagne bottle of blue uh, space wine over the, over the, the hull of our, of our voyage, of our ship. Yes, absolutely. Uh, 
christened it Space Bras in honor of our dear Lady Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us for our first episode. Um, what homework can our uh, viewers participate in if they want to get prepped like we do? Oh, well, next uh, next time is a complete layup and just a joy. I recommend that they pop some popcorn, turn down the lights, and dip into a little movie that I like to call Alien. Perfection. I'm so excited. Well, thank you for joining us for our first episode. Please subscribe to us in on the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher. Or whatever podcasting platform you're using. Yes. Stitcher. Google Play, your platform of choice. Um, rate. We always appreciate um, rate, ratings and reviews. But most importantly, keep listening to us. Cheers! An outrageous, An outrageous mechanisms, mechanisms production. production.